Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna It's the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen the Burge, and this is Faith Radio. Wow, that started to sound like maybe I was going to call a horse race. I don't know. I was like, yeah. I don't, I don't, there's no horse. I mean, right. (laughs) This is the second cup of coffee version of Mornings with Carmen on Monday. Okay. So, good morning, everyone. Armageddon. Armageddon. Pretty much when you hear a word straight out of the Bible and a word that has no meaning really outside of the Bible, um, then you better perk up as a Christian and say, hmm, when the president of the United States uses a word that is expressly biblical in nature, not only should we perk up our ears, but we should be the people prepared to bring interpretation to that in, uh, in the culture of which we are a part. We ought to be prepared in our conversations today to talk about Armageddon. And you say, Wait a second. Whew, it's really early on Monday morning. I'm not sure I'm, I'm all prepped and ready to talk about Armageddon. Well, that's why you've got me. All right, here we go. Why are we talking about it? President Joe Biden uh, said that the world is at risk of nuclear, quote, Armageddon. Um, I think that he was trying to send a, you know, an, a very unvarnished m- message um, about the threat of Russia deploying tactical nuclear weapons, right? And it's war against Ukraine. Ukraine. That's what he's, that's what he's talking about. Um, he delivered uh, it as a, you know, like an extra comment. It's not in his official remarks that he was supposed to be delivering at this uh, Democratic fundraiser. Instead, you know, it's, it's after the formal, um, uh, the formal content of his speech, and he goes literally off script, and he says, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon, since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, and he said the uh, the threat from Putin is real because, quote, because his military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. This, um, in addition to a statement where the president of the United States said Putin was, quote, not joking when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons. So when the president of the United States uses the word Armageddon, um, not only are our ears peaked, but people around the world Google Armageddon. Guess what? When they Google Armageddon, they get a reference to Revelation 16, 16. So they get a direct Bible verse and they get this in Wikipedia. So first the, the Bible verse, because Armageddon like literally has one specific meaning and it comes from Revelation 16, 16. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. So you're going to have to read that in context or the entirety of the 16th chapter of the book of Revelation. Um, and we're going to do that in, in just a minute. And we're going to get it in context. But it's uh, the book, the 16th chapter of Revelation is the seven bowls of wrath being poured out. So uh, one of the seven bowls of wrath, right, includes this 
gathering the kings together in a place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Remember that um, John receiving this revelation delivered to us as the book of Revelation. Um, John is a Greek speaker, and so, you know, in this vision he has uh, that God gives him of the end times, um, it's interesting to note that the word Armageddon is specifically a Hebrew word. So, uh, people who have Googled this, which millions of people around the world have Googled the term Armageddon since the President of the United States used it just a few nights ago. So here's what Wikipedia says. According to the book of Revelation in the New Testament of the Christian Bible. Now, notably, all of those are hot-linked. So you can you can go by hyperlink in the Wikipedia uh, post for Armageddon that millions of people have clicked on uh, in, in just the last few days. Then you can follow the hyperlink to the book of Revelation or to the New Testament, or to the Christian Bible, which I just think is kind of cool. Okay, Armageddon, uh, from ancient Greek, and then the Greek is listed there, which I will not try to uh, read for you. Uh, And then it talks about late Latin, and then it talks about, from Hebrew, um, Har Megiddo. And you say to yourself, aha, Megiddo. So this is the prophesied location of a gathering, this is Wikipedia again, a prophesied location of a gathering of armies for a battle during the end times, variously interpreted as either a literal or symbolic location. The term is also used in a generic sense to refer to any end-of-the-world scenario, which, of course, non, non-believing people, people who are not of faith, say that the President of the United States was using the term in this generic sense, to refer to the end of the world. But, you know, the president is technically a a person of faith, like he professes to be a Catholic Christian. And so when he uses the term Armageddon, he is making at least some level reference to the biblical term and the biblical place. In Islamic theology, Armageddon also appears. It is mentioned in the Hadith as the greatest Armageddon or the great battle. Um, which is also a reference to a place and a battle that takes place at the end of times. So you might say to yourself, well, where then is Megiddo? According according to, you know, Hebrew speakers, where would this be? Well, the Mount of Megiddo is in northern Israel. It's not actually a mountain, by the way. I have stood upon it. It's like um, a mound that is created by lots of generations of people who lived and rebuilt on the same spot. And so it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And it then kind of looks like a hill or a mountain. Um, And uh, so there you go. Um, That is where Megiddo is. And so that is where Armageddon or Har Megiddo is understood to take place, or as Revelation 16, 16 describes it, the place where these kings from all over the world are going to be gathered together um, and the final battle will take place, or the pouring out of this particular bowl of wrath as referred to in Revelation 16. So, commend to you today in terms of where in the word are you today. Uh, Let's take a look at Revelation 16 so that we might understand the context of Armageddon. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio.
a very strong Russian response. We saw yesterday uh, that a residential area of the city of Zaporizhia, a major city in the south of the country, very close to the front lines, uh, was hit. Uh, more than a dozen. So. Yeah, there's a BBC reporter um, in Kiev reporting live when Russian missiles um, are unleashed in a barrage against civilian targets in the last uh, roughly 14 hours. Um, Russian President Vladimir Putin said that these strikes on Ukraine came in response to um, Ukraine's, quote, terrorist action, specifically in relationship to a bridge um, that connected Crimea to Russia. So this is the 11-mile Kirsch Bridge that Russia built to link the territory of Ukraine called Crimea that it took by force um, eight years ago now. And so when we talk about the war in Ukraine, you and I think of it as starting in February, but the people in Ukraine uh, think about it as starting in 2014 when Russia seized, uh, laid hold of, and took Crimea. And so this bridge, this multi-billion dollar 11-mile train and vehicle bridge. So there's a train bridge, and then then underneath that, there's a vehicle bridge. And it was uh, a massive bomb was detonated about a third of the way over the bridge. Um, And so now some of the Kirsch Bridge lies at the bottom of the Black Sea. Uh, The Kremlin in Moscow called it a, quote, terrorist attack by Ukraine. Ukraine, um, you know, basically uh, understands it to be, hey, this is war. You brought it to us, and we are now bringing it to you. And Russia has responded by uh, unleashing what today is is being described as um, a veil of war. Oh, like a a veil of hey, uh, mm, that's that's the word hell. A veil of hell. So. When you listen to that BBC reporter trying to describe what's happening in other parts of the country, you know, obviously he assumes he's relatively safe in Kiev. And then you hear what sounds like an airplane, right, going overhead, but it's not. That's a missile. And, um, and then you hear it hit a target. And then you hear the suspension of the broadcast from the BBC as the reporter um, and his cameraman are seeking shelter. So that's what it sounds like. You can uh, see images of what it looks like. Suffice it to say, war is hell. And hell is real. And when we read headlines like this, and we know that um, not only are there, war, are there rumors of wars, but there are real wars, and we see real evidence of real war. Um, we're not just thinking about... Um, the hell that people are experiencing here on earth. We are thinking as believers, as Christians, as people whose minds are set on things above and, um, and who recognize how long eternity is. We, we should be leading people into very real conversations about the reality of the final state of the individual soul. And we often talk about this as related to heaven. 
But there's an alternative reality, and that alternative reality is the reality of hell. And most of us are very uncomfortable talking about hell, just very uncomfortable. But every human being has an ultimate and eternal destiny, and, and there are only two options, heaven or hell. And despite God's offer of redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ, not everyone will be redeemed. There is no universal salvation. Scripture is really clear that those who reject God choose for themselves hell. And you're saying to yourself, well, it is Monday morning and this is some heavy lifting. Yeah, I know. And you might be saying that seems like cosmic overkill. I mean, couldn't God just make bad people better or simply annihilate them? I mean, why would there have to be an eternal experience of death instead of just nothing? Well, because God is the God of life. And God has done everything necessary for our salvation. And he has given us this lifetime to embrace him through Christ. But some people will still reject him. Some people will still reject the truth of the gospel. Some people will still choose their own way, their own path, rather than God's. And so, because God is a God of life, annihilation is not an option. So, so human beings are made in the image of God, and that is an eternal being, an eternal reality. So, every person is of great, inestimable, eternal value, And so, annihilation doesn't fit the biblical evidence. Life is eternal somewhere in some eternal state. Choose life. Choose heaven. Choose Jesus. Avail yourself of the offer of salvation in him. Not just for eternity, but for the life Jesus died for you to live in fullness here and now. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Hey, good morning again. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Um, We often talk about uh, the pro-life conversation from the pre-life end of life, like the the prior-to-birth part of life, Um, the the in-the-womb part of life when we're we're having pro-life conversations. Um, But I want you to choose life in this life. I want you to choose life today. I want you to choose life in Christ. I want you to choose to follow the one who gives life, the one who's sovereign over life, the one who died to redeem your life. Like, choose life. I want you to choose life. Absolutely. 
Um, which leads us to a conversation about those who in this day are choosing death. And I, I'm going to direct you here to resources from uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. If you're not familiar with Johnny and Friends, um, they have some great resources on this topic in the culture about you know death or death with dignity or the uh, you know the death. There's death advocates out there. There's death doulas. There's all kinds of people you know talking about assisting other people in dying. Assisted suicide is another word for this or language for this. Um, the more euphemistic terms are like death with dignity. So when is it right to die is Johnny's um, reflection on all of this. And I have that in my show notes today for you to refer to. But I want to tell you this story of, um, of Chante de Corte. Chante de Corte um, is a beautiful 23-year-old woman. 23 years old. There's nothing, absolutely nothing physically wrong with her nothing she is a fully alive fully functional completely physically healthy 23 year old woman shante de corte 23 she had herself euthanized she had herself euthanized you say to yourself how what what? Where in the world could this have possibly happened? Well, let me give you the backstory, and then we will arrive at um, this reality. So she was 17 years old, traveling with her classmates um, on a trip abroad. They were in the Brussels airport um, in March of 2016. She was 17 years old. I think I already said that. Um, ISIS detonated... Uh, three bombs, right? One at the airport and two in a Brussels subway station. Hundreds of people were injured. Um, A few dozen people were killed. Uh, None of Chante de Corte's classmates and and nor Chante de Corte, none of them were injured. None of them suffered any physical injuries whatsoever. Um, And yet... She is a person who has not only endured years of panic attacks and depression, she has been um, treated by lots of doctors who have offered all kinds of drugs in order to deal with what she describes as ghosts. In her own words, uh, she says this on social media, with all the medications I take, I am made to feel more and more like a ghost. I can't feel anything anymore. Maybe there are other solutions than medications. Now, I, I wish that someone who had read that had offered DeCorte another solution other than medications. The offer that someone made was euthanasia. And so, choosing to be euthanized is legal in Belgium and so at the age of 23, a fully healthy 23-year-old woman, Shanti de Corte, had herself euthanized on May the 7th. It happened at a, uh, an academic hospital in Brussels. Um, and uh, apparently after an investigation, um, 
the case was closed, finding no violation had been made in the process for this individual being euthanized. 23 years old, perfectly physically healthy, haunted by PTSD for sure, um, seeking very openly and publicly on social media, quote, other solutions than medications. And apparently no one stepped in to say, you know what, there is, there is an answer for that pain. There is a God in heaven. There is a hope. You can be free. And you can be free here and now, not by the taking of your own life. Friends, if you've been wondering, um, are there people out there who are hurting? Are there places where you can press in? Are there people who need to hear the gospel? The answer is yes. And we live in a culture both here in the United States and around the world that's increasingly a culture of death. And we have to press in. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. Now I'm a When's the last time you uh, read a psalm? When's the last time you read the Psalms of Ascent? When's the last time you took an adventure in the book of Psalms? We're going we're gonna to do that next with John Greco. The, bo- the book is The Ascent, a devotional adventure through the book of Psalms. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Oh, I can't us now, John Greco. You can find him at johngrecowrites.com or pagesofjoy.com. John, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's um let's jump into this conversation about your this is a beautiful book, first of all. I mean it's physically thank beautiful. You. It feels good to the touch. Um the book is The Ascent, a devotional adventure through the book of Psalms. Um take us uh take us to sort of where this conversation begins, because this could have just been you sitting down um with the Lord and having some quiet time, but instead you invite uh, you know other travelers into it. Yeah, so no, that's exactly where it started. I um, it was the summer of 2020, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but there was something going on in 2020 or uh, not going pandemic. on. Pandemic, yeah, not mm-hmm. going on. So, so every like like so many people, I found myself you know without a commute for for a for a period of time, and so I had this extra time in the morning. And I said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make take make extra good use of this time. I'm gonna spend it with the Lord, and so mm-hmm. I got up early every day before the kids were up, and I would open up my Bible, and because of what was going on, you know all the anxiety and fear, you know, that was kind of all around us. I said, I'm going to read the book of Psalms. Um, because, you know, I knew there's just this raw emotion in there and there's, there's people, you know, David and others just ask these very real questions of God and they, and they, you know, they just put it all out there. And so I said, that sounds about right for, for this time. But as I started reading, um, I, I kind of discovered, you know, something I didn't expect to find, which was, this the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit on on every page. Like, then let me explain. There was, you know, I would be reading something, and I'd suddenly find myself flipping back to Genesis because there was something that the psalmist said that you know that that pulled me back to the creation account. Uh, and then I would read something else, and it would pull me forward to the Gospels, and I'd be reading about Jesus' crucifixion. 
you know, and then I'd read something else, and I go, "That sounds like how Paul described believers in in the Book of Romans." So I'd go there, and and I just kept finding myself flipping back and forth, and I said, "You know, this is so beautiful that the Holy Spirit, you know, produced these songs because that's what they are in such a way that they would speak to all of redemption history, so that you know we, you know, thousands of years removed could go could go into these into these these psalms these these uh, this bit this bit of poetry and find ourselves wrapped around the the redemption story as a whole. And so anyway, I started writing, I started taking notes, and then those became devotionals, and that became this book. And so I was so happy to be able to share it with people and kind of take them on this journey with me. Okay, and so now, with all of that said, and people listening are like, yeah, you know, but he's probably a pastor. This is what they do all the time. (laughs) They sit around, they reflect on the Bible, and they write books that they think we should buy. But you, my friend, are a gardener. (laughs) Am I right? No, no, I'm not a gardener. Um, not a no, gardener. I'm a, I'm not a pastor either. No, I'm a I'm a writer. Um, you know, I, I which I'm blessed to do full time. You know, I write and I edit and I, I help different ministries and organizations with their content. Uh, but no, I you know I think you you're referencing the gardening because that is something we as a family love to do, and we have we you know we want our kids to know um, where food comes from. We want them to see, you know, this is how God provides. And so we don't want them to think that things come from a grocery store. So I'm an amateur gardener. I do what my wife tells me to do. She's the real gardener. And she tells me this is how we do it. And I say, yes, ma'am. And I get the wheelbarrow and I get my hands dirty and I, and we, we grow all kinds of, all kinds of things here in middle Tennessee. Okay. So I love that. All right. So (laughs) you and I are going to talk about, um, because I think that the best, way to draw people into this is actually to share with them from the ascent and because um because the entries are not like you know they're not brief they're not like one paragraph um i'm going to give you a few minutes here because i would love for you to read the entirety of the psalm one reflection behold the mumbling tree and so this is john greco in his own words giving us our monday morning devotion from the ascent All right, here we go. Behold, the mumbling tree. Two two roads diverged in a yellow wood, Robert Frost once wrote. If you know the poem, you know he took them one less traveled. It made all the difference. As it turned out, uh, Frost wrote the poem as something of a joke for a friend who was routinely indecisive about the paths they should take as they walked together in the forest. But in scripture, the split path is anything but trivial. And each time it comes up, the Holy Spirit beckons us to take the one that leads to our true home in the presence of God, less traveled though it may be. This fork in the road is as old as creation itself, and it was choosing the wrong bend that brought a curse upon our world to begin with. But the road diverges again and again, and each time the Spirit of God calls his people to embrace the love of their Creator. The road diverged when Joshua told the Israelites, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's Joshua twenty four fifteen. It forked again when Elijah warned the people atop Mount Carmel, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. That's 1 Kings eighteen twenty one. And it split when Jesus laid the choice down plainly. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. That's Matthew seven thirteen. Here in Psalm 1, the two, road, the two roads take center stage. The way of the righteous versus the way of the, excuse me, the way of the righteous versus the way of the wicked. The Lord watches over the one while the other leads to destruction. 
The choice is obvious, but it is not easy. It never is. Years ago, when I would read this psalm, I wasn't able to see Jesus in it. It seemed to me these verses could be at home in any religion's holy book. Choose good, not evil, and you'll be blessed, they appeared to say. But that's karma, not the gospel. Mm -hmm. These days, however, I can hear God speaking to me through these ancient words, the Spirit pleading with me to choose the good way. The person who, f who follows the path of righteousness, the path of God, meditates on the commandments of the Lord day and night, not because memorizing rules will earn any, anyone anything, but because the laws of God reveal his beautiful heart, bit by bit. Each one is like a clue to the greatest treasure imaginable. The law is not the point. God is. To meditate is literally to mumble, as if God's word could become stuck in a person's mouth and remain there to be chewed on throughout the day. It's savored with the passing of every breath and becomes a part of life's rhythm, the soundtrack that never fades into the background. This is not a description of a cultural Christian, of a sheep that's forgotten what the good shepherd's voice sounds like. This is not a picture of a mere Jesus fan. True disciples are made of stuff like this, this sort of continual devotion to God. These are people whom the Lord has radically changed, who are so committed to him that they need the sweet taste of his words on their lips all the time. Nothing else will do. The psalmist sees such a person as a tree planted by streams of water. That's verse 3. Its roots go deep because the nearby streams feed them. Its, trunks, its trunk grows strong, and the winds that blow do not easily sway it. Drought po poses no threat. It has what it needs to produce its fruit in season. It is a tree of life, a blessing to others, not unlike the original tree of life in the Garden of Eden. This psalm brings me both conviction and hope. It's a reality check as I remember that I am often blown around by the storms that come my way. I am not yet the strong tree I hope to be someday but it is also a reminder of God's power, a power I have access to through the Holy Spirit. This psalm describes who I want to be, even as, life, uh, even as life forces me to recognize I am not yet there. Two roads diverge in a wood, but I can't stop staring at the trees, especially the one mumbling the words of God by that stream over there. Mm. That's John Greco reading. Um the Psalm 1 Reflection from the Ascent, a devotional adventure through the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 begins, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked... They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. John, when you think about um, the Psalms and your adventure of um, working your way through the Psalms and the Psalms working their way into and through you um, during this experience, why the word ascent? So the ascent uh, comes from, you know, there's a section of the Psalms, Psalms 120 to 134, that are called the Songs of Ascent. And they were the songs that the uh, people of Israel would sing as they made their pilgrimages to Jerusalem for the festivals. And so, you know, as, as I was thinking about the book of Psalms and about, you know, our Christian life, you know, it seemed to me we're all on a journey, right? We're all headed we're all headed home to God, right? We're, we're sojourners in this world. We are uh, aliens and strangers in this world. And so I love that imagery of kind of 
the journey to Jerusalem. And, you know, we're not talking about physical Jerusalem here, but we are all on that journey. And, and it is a climb, right? We are, we are getting, um, we're going closer and closer to our Lord, hopefully, as we, as we travel this world. And so that, that became kind of the image for the book. Yeah, I love that. So it's filled with, um, you know, all kinds of wonderful information because it actually helps us root um, these psalms in their cultural and historical context. There's also this um, this wonderful um, unfolding that you offer us in, in terms of helping us see what we're reading in the psalms as uh, as anchored and rooted in you know, sort of the big arc of what the Bible tells us from Genesis to Revelation. So when we come back, will you um, talk a little bit about that? Where are some of the places where, you know, the arc, the, the biblical arc can be seen um, sure. in the book of Psalms? All right. Fantastic. We're talking with John Greco. Among other things, he's the author of The Ascent, a devotional adventure through the book of Psalms, but you can read everything that John is working on and writing at johngrecowrites.com or pagesofjoy.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Oh, the Lord is my keeper. The Lord is the shade on my right hand. The sun shall not hurt me by day nor the moon by Talking with author John Greco, you can... Read what he's writing at pagesofjoy.com. We're talking today about his latest book, The Ascent, A Devotional Adventure Through the Book of Psalms. John, um, help us, you know, help us see the Psalms as um, as, as almost a, a bit of a, a tool or a key to understanding the big story that the Bible is telling from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah, so so I think that's kind of that's that's kind of what I wanted to do here in this in this book. You know, when I read scripture, there's kind of two lenses I want to have in place, and I think they're really helpful, and I think you know they they should be our go-to. <clears throat> the first is, uh, you know, we got to remember that the Bible wasn't written to us; it is written for us, but it wasn't originally written to us. So as best we can, it's always helpful to kind of get into that ancient mindset, right? So. Whatever the first readers of a, of a psalm or any passage of scripture would have would have thought when they read something, that's what we should that's what we should try to to match. And then the other thing is, um, and a lot of people forget this, right? It's that the Holy Spirit is the author of all of scripture, so nothing comes as a, as a surprise to him. There are no there's no discontinuity. There's no oh this doesn't really fit with this, and oh well I wish I wish you know uh, Matthew had remembered what Moses said because he got this wrong or anything like that because the Holy Spirit is you know overseeing the entire process. And so as I read through the Psalms, I kept those things in view. I, I went back to you know what, what would this have meant to an ancient reader, and what would this what does this mean to us today, knowing the whole story that the Holy Spirit is writing. And so I'll, I'll give you an example. Psalm 55. This is one of the Psalms of David. And we don't know much about the historical, um, you know, when David wrote it or why exactly. The, the Psalms don't tell us 
what David writes about the situation is kind of vague. He's got some enemies, and they're out to get him. And, you know, if you read all the life of David, this could be at, you know, almost any point in time. Um, <clears throat> but what David does in this psalm, and this is one of those psalms that we read as, as New Testament believers, and we kind of cringe because David's you know, asking God to really hurt his enemies. Um, in particular, he says a couple of things that kind of jumped out at me as I read this. The first is in verse 9, he says, Lord, confuse the wicked, confound their words, for I see violence and strife in the city. Uh, and then later on, he says uh, in verse 15, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. So he's calling down these curses. And we, you know, like I said, we kind of cringe at this because Jesus says, you know, love your enemies. And, and certainly we should. Um, and so as I read this, I'm going, well, how, what, is, what does God do with this? What is God doing with these curses? And it, and it occurred to me, these are not original curses with David. He's asking for things that God's already done. So the first one, you know, the confounding of language, that's the Tower of Babel, right? That's what God did when, when the people came uh, to Babel and built that tower in order to return, return to, to Eden. And, uh, and God said, I'm going to confuse their language so the work will stop. And he divorced the nations. That's where the nations came from. And he said, you know, shortly after that, we have the, the calling of Abraham. God creates his own people. Uh, and then the, the other one, right? Let, de- let, let the earth open up and swallow them whole. Mm. That, that happened when uh, number 16, when, when Korah rebelled against Moses and Aaron and ultimately against God. And God responded by opening up the earth and swallowing Korah and all those who followed him. Um, and so these are not original and David, David's using these, you know, and the people of Israel would have immediately thought of those stories. They would have said, Oh, oh I know, I know, I know. And, um, <clears throat> and, and we can all, we can all kind of get that emotion. We can all sense, sense that. But what I wanted to know was, well, what does God do with this? Does he answer those? Does he answer those um, prayers? And what I found was so amazing is that he does, but not the way we expect. Um, the, you know, the, the languages of the people are confounded, right? They are confounded today, but God, what God does is he, he reverses that. When you get to the end of the story, when you get to Revelation, what do we have? We have people from every tribe, tongue, and nation coming before the throne to worship him. So that, that you know, in, at Babel, when he divorced the nations, right, now he's welcoming all the nations in to become his one people. And mm. then, you know, the earth opened up to swallow people in judgment. Well, what does it say is going to happen at the end of history? The earth's going to open up again, but this time it's going to be the graves of the righteous who are where uh, their, their bodies are, are brought and transformed, and we, we get to live with Jesus forever and eternity. Um, and so it's kind of this, you know, David's asking for judgment, and God brings mercy, right? And it's this beautiful picture that, you know, if you know the end of the story, you can read, read the psalm in a way that, you know, those, those ancient readers probably wouldn't have. But, ne- but nevertheless, right, it's there, right? Scripture's telling us very clearly these are the things that are going to take place. And so, you know, as I read that, I, I think about, you know, the, the, the freedom I have as somebody who struggles in this world and, and wants to bring my, bring my raw emotions to God, but he's okay with that, right? He doesn't condemn David, doesn't rebuke him. At the same time, I know that God is better than I am, right? God is going to do, God is going to bring an end to the story in a way that is more beautiful and invites more people into his goodness than I could ever imagine, right? He's going to redeem the broken. He's going to redeem the lost. Because that's what we all were at one time, right? Um, so anyway, I just I read that and I just see um, this beautiful picture, you know, this Old Testament pieces brought together with these New Testament pieces, and it's just a, an invitation for us to reflect on God's goodness and mercy. Well, that's so good. That's so good. I um I love the you know the reversal of of Babel, um you know the reunification of the nations. That's such a powerful vision and image. 
I'm, you have me also thinking, you know, on the confounding of language thing, you have me thinking about Pentecost yep. um, and, you know, the, the reversal of that. And, um, and certainly the, I guess the global equality, the universal equality that comes, um, you know, every knee bows before, you know, before Christ in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is this, there is this ultimate coming together of, um, of everyone. Um, and then, yeah, that, the earth opening up, you know, giving up its dead, right? That that's pretty profound answer to David's David's prayer. Um, so again, that reflection is on um, Psalm fifty five. You'll find that in the Ascent uh, devotional adventure through the book of Psalms. We're talking with the author John Greco. You can read what he's writing every day at pagesofjoy.com. dot com. John, um, John, what a delight! What are you What are you reflecting on today? Uh, well, today I've got a, a devotional up about the book of Acts, the first eight, eight verses of the book of Acts. And right now I'm kind of bouncing around. I'm doing different things. Um, but usually what I, what, I, what I find joy in is kind of writing through a book of the Bible like this. Mm. Um, I, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to kind of see, to kind of build day after day, or, or maybe not day after day, but every few days after every few days, um, get to build and, and kind of see you know, the argument that a, the biblical author is making or see kind of the story that's progressing. And I just love going going deep while hopefully, you know, inspiring people and helping them seek, you know, God's heart. I love it. Thank you so much. We appreciate you um, you joining us here this morning, blessing us with a Monday morning devotion. Um, grace and peace to you and your um, sweet family today. John uh, served as the editor of the He Reads Truth Bible and the New Testament theological editor for the NIV Cultural Backgrounds study bible Um, he has also written books including gospel here and now and manger king and today has joined us with his uh, with his latest work the ascent a devotional adventure through the book of psalms john um thank you so much for joining us we appreciate it thank you i appreciate it so much absolutely you're listening to mornings with carmen i'm carmen laburge this is faith radio What are you going to do today? Where are you going? What are you up to? Who are you going to see? Who are you going to be? Thank you for um, sharing this time with me. I count it such a, um, a great blessing and a privilege. I genuinely appreciate it. So thank you so much. Um, let's see. What do I have on tap today? I have a few meetings. Some of them will be online. Um, two of them will be in person. I'm going to get the rest of my stitches out of my neck following my surgery a couple of weeks ago to remove a melanoma, which if you're not in the loop already, my pathology report was 100% clear. So praising and thanking God for that. Uh, Let's see. Um, It is fall break here. So I have a little afternoon outing planned with one of my kiddos. And yeah, I don't know, whatever else the Lord brings. And that is always the adventure, is it not? Whatever else the Lord has planned. Do you have enough margin in your day for whatever it is the Lord has planned? He's got good works prepared in advance for you to do. And he's already fully equipped you for them by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. So cooperate with the Holy Spirit today. Um, Ask God to open the eyes of your heart to those divine appointments that he has set. Um, Somebody asks you to walk with them a mile. Hmm. Go ahead and walk an extra mile joyfully without, you know, without frustration. Somebody asks you uh, for some financial help. Give it generously and joyfully. Hmm. 
Somebody asked to borrow something? According to Jesus, we're supposed to lend it. There are some hard teachings in this portion of Matthew chapter 5. Let's be in the Word of God today, that the Word of God may be in us, that when we get squeezed, which of course we will by the world, what comes out of us will be beauty and grace and truth, the very gospel of the living Lord. Hey, again, thanks so much for being here. You can check out resources available today at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.